Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Duke Football Coverage Podcast brought to you as always by Bull City Coordinators. You can find us on Twitter at Duke FB Coverage. Uh, you know where else you can find us. Send us an email, bullcitycoordinators at gmail.com. Our DMs are open on Twitter. And you can get us anywhere you get your podcasts. Not only is this another interview for the season, it is also the last interview of season three before we transition to season four. And because last episode, we did a breakdown of the old Atlantic Division teams, we are now going to do a breakdown of the old Coastal Division teams, leaving out Notre Dame. I don't really count them as a member of the conference. I will not go over that again, nor will I discuss my many problems with Notre Dame and what they've done to the ACC, or what it's done to the ACC, rather. But what we will do is we will bring on our next guest, who is the co-host of the All Sports Discussion podcast, which covers all things ACC-related. is a great podcast. Uh, I highly recommend it to you. There are links, I believe, on the site, so go check it out if you're not already doing it. You can follow our next guest at his Twitter account at Talking ACC Sports. That's Talking without a G. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing good this evening. Glad to be talking some ACC football. Absolutely. We're getting in that nice period where everybody's getting real excited about it, starting to line up some tickets for games and uh, also probably thinking about some of the stuff that we talked about the last time you were on here, which was the announcement of the 355 and expansion and the future of the ACC. And now mm-hmm. you're back. A lot of expansion rumors still going on, although not as many as there were a little bit ago. And we're about to see the 355 come into play. So not that much has changed, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I think with the uh, realignment stuff and, you know that that's just going to be on the on the radar as like background noise for the next several years. It's just kind of where the ACC is right now, um, and and we might can talk about that later. But you know, for the next several years, no, no matter what anyone says, you know, not nothing's going to happen. Um, but you know, for sure, they got to work on revenue. There's no question about that. Well, tell us a little bit about your podcast and where we can keep up with you. Yeah, you can find the podcast at allsportsdiscussion.com. Um, right now, uh, my um, co-host and I, um, Matt uh, Matthew, he's known as uh, ASD underscore Hokie Smash. Uh, he's my co-host. Uh, we're just about finished with our ACC team previews. We usually get uh, a blogger or fan or someone who covers one of the ACC teams um, to go through, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses, looking ahead to the 2023 football season for that team. And we're just about uh, at the end. We got three more schools to do. And uh, usually we we have that on Sunday nights and post it on Monday. And you can also find me on Twitter, like I said, at Talking ACC Sports and all sportsdiscussion.com is where we, you know, put the thoughts down on the ACC on paper. How many episodes are you up to uh, on the podcast? If you don't have the exact number, you can ballpark it. Uh, we're, we're around like 460 episodes. 
um, you know, it's kind of a grassroots thing uh, that uh, Matthew and I have been doing the last uh, 10 years looking at the ACC, uh, getting a variety of guests on. We're having a good time with it. And then the guests like yourself, they've just been great. Make it make it fun. Well, I enjoy listening to it, especially come football season. It helps me keep up with teams for games that I don't have a chance to watch. And with basketball season, it's hit or miss when I can actually see what's going on. So it's a great summary for what, what's going on in the, in the league, in the conference, while we still have it, which we can talk about a little bit more later. But we're here. You are a fan of a, of a coastal division, former Coastal Division team. Uh, your Yellow Jackets. I'm a fan of a former Coastal Division team, the Blue Devils. So why don't we hop right in and get uh, straight to what we've got coming up this year. And before we go through it team by team, just generally, what are your thoughts about the end of the divisions? Yeah, I think it was a, it was a long time coming and it, it's the right thing to do, especially with um, the advent of the, of the playoffs, you know, expanding to the 12 teams. I mean, you're, you're going to want to have your best two teams playing in the, in the championship game. I, I think in the past, if you had a Clemson um, facing a coastal division team that, you know, honestly, that that coastal division team in the last few years would, would have been overmatched. Well, not, I wouldn't say the last few years, but during Clemson's kind of heyday, uh, it, it worked to their advantage because Clemson would usually win that game, go ahead and march into the, in, into the playoffs. Uh, but now, you know, if you had just the four teams and you you suffered a, a loss in that game in the ACC championship game, uh, you want to be able to get that championship. You know, if you have a team that's ranked 12 or 13 you, and you're playing a top five team, you know, that team can get into the playoffs. So I think it, it's it enhances the league. It enhances the the matchup. It's good for the future uh, playoffs. Um, you know, if you would had it in the past. Uh, I don't think it had been as impactful as it's going to be in the future. So, and, and I think it also creates more, um, you know, better matchups within the ACC. Uh, you know, you're not going to go those six or seven years that ACC teams went without sometimes facing each other in those cross divisions. I think if I remember right, if if you're a member of one of the schools, you'll play at least one time uh, during your, your four years at an ACC school against one of the other ACC schools. And I think that that's just going to create a lot more variety in the matchups. And I'm glad the ACC did it. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea primarily for that last reason that you mentioned. I think it's been since 2013 that Duke has played NC state, which does not make any sense. Right. They may have, they may have played during the COVID year. I can't remember, but that doesn't really count. But also to your larger point, if Clemson and FSU have the seasons that they are projected to have this year, those are the teams you want to see play for the ACC championship, right? Yeah, exactly. And we've seen, you know, when the ACC has a, a high-quality matchup in this championship game with, with playoff implications, the game does very well in, in, in the ratings. Um it's a misconception that people aren't going to watch ACC football. 
they want to watch good football and you know it's going to create a really good matchup in the championship game well with that out of the way that little bit of background why don't we go through the coastal teams and why don't we see uh what we think those teams are going to do and and get your thoughts on each of them and I pulled them up by standing. So, guys who are listening, I am not bringing uh, mentioning this first team out of any respect or love or kindness yeah. or appreciation for them. But why don't we get your thoughts on what we can expect from UNC or Chapel Hill College? It is cut as it is customarily known. I mean, I think it's all going to begin and end with North Carolina on their defense. Um, I mean, Drake May had a fantastic season. Last year, he was on the short list of Heisman candidates late into the year before they lost to to Georgia Tech and, and NC State. Um, but I mean, he's a proven commodity. He's a he's a first round NFL pick, likely. You know, it, no even if he has a poor season, he's probably going to go in the top three rounds. So, I mean, he he he's a proven guy, and that always helps when you have, you know, the the best. Sometimes, well. We'll see if he's always going to be the best player on the field. But when you have a, a player of that caliber at the most important position on the field, I mean, you're going to like your chances in a lot of games. But the the issue with North Carolina has been, you know, their defense. And if they don't get that, you know, if they don't get that right, they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, and which is going to help Jake May's numbers. But, you know, it's not going to help their win-loss record. And we saw what happened. Um, you got him moving around in the pocket a little bit more and cut off some of those running lanes that he had earlier in the year and he and he did struggle a little bit so uh, I think the upside of North Carolina is is good but you know you're just not sure you know how how far they can go because you can't trust that you can't trust that defense to always make the stops that they need to make and um you know you, I remember the App State game last year I think they gave up something like 60 you know, 60 points or something in that game, they won it. But, um, you know, if they don't get that defense in order, there's going to be a lot of shootouts and then three or four, you know, it's going to season that could be 10 and two is going to end up like eight and four, seven and five. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is they're just trash and they're going to fall apart. I think that's clearly (laughs) what you were, what you were getting at there. Let's take a look at their schedule real quick. I, I did this with the last um, when when I had Dan Siegel on, and I think it worked out well, although it wasn't necessarily something that I had intended to do. But let's let's pull up uh, North Carolina's schedule here real quick and go through it. Uh, they're starting off against South Carolina. Yeah, that, that's a pivotal game for them because uh, you know South Carolina was kind of all over the place last year as a team, but they, they finished the year really strong. I mean, they blew out Tennessee, knocked them out of the playoffs and then go on the road and, and win at Clemson and, and put an end to that, you know, 60 something game winning streak they had at, at home. Um, you know, but I do think that's a game that, that North Carolina is capable of winning. And, and if they win that game, it could really jumpstart uh, their season. Um, but you know, as we saw, I think South Carolina is going to come into that game, probably a fringe top 25 team, um, come still off a lot of confidence off the end of last season. And and they have a lot of expectations, uh, in Columbia too. So that, that's a game that's very pivotal for both teams there. Then, then 
uh, the Tar Heels have App State, which is not going to be a guaranteed win because App State knows how to win games that maybe yep. they shouldn't. And Minnesota, uh, also not guaranteed nine and four last year with a win in the Pinstripe Bowl. That's the first three. That's not easy. Yeah, and, I think you give North Carolina a two and one start. They they would take that. And then you got Pitt, and Pitt is always deadly. So that's a yep. tough first four. I mean, what are your thoughts on how they should break in those first four? Uh, I mean, it it seems a little bit unlikely that they could run the table on those four uh, teams just for the reasons like like that you said. We know South Carolina. You know they have talent on that team. Uh, Minnesota. Just like you said, they've been they've been well coached the last several years. That's that's you know uh, not a, maybe a premier Big Ten team, but we know that they're 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 capable. And Pittsburgh is probably the most consistent team that you know has been in the coastal over the last several years. I, I think we can safely say, and we can talk a little bit more about them too. Is you know Pat Narduzzi has them on a solid you know foundation um, where. They, they can change players and still be a team that can win nine, 10 games in a season. Um, and then you got to go on the road there at Pitt. Uh, so if you're North Carolina and you came out of those first four, three and one, I mean, you are, you are pumped with that. Um, you, you can take a two and two start and a one and three, uh, even oh and four. And, and then you're wondering if the season's about to spin out of control. So I, I kind of, I don't think they can win at Pittsburgh. Uh, that I think Pittsburgh's become a little bit too stable uh, of a program to win on the road there. Uh, I think you get Minnesota, App State, and South Carolina as your toss-up game. All right, then after that, they've got the bye week, Syracuse, Miami, and Virginia. I think worst-case scenario there, you're looking uh, two and one, but probably three three wins, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think so. That and that's where North Carolina's got to got to make a move on the season because you're going to be favored certainly against Syracuse and Virginia, um, Miami for for what talent that they do have. I mean, they really struggled last year. You know, they're a definite wild card uh, of the previous coastal teams. But that's a game that you, you should win going into the season. You know, on paper, they're better than Miami. So. You know they should be able. They look at the, they should look at those three games and think that they should win it, win win those games. Then they've got Georgia Tech and Campbell. Possibly two more wins. It's not inconceivable. I mean, I think the Campbell one is a win. Georgia Tech, even though I expect more from Georgia Tech this year, I think it's probably a win. Although it is on the road, so there's a chance they could go uh, win five straight. Probably more coming out of their four and one. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I do think, you know, Georgia Tech on the whole is going to be upgraded for sure with with a full season under Brent Key with the Jeff Collins nightmare era over. But at the same time, I think it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a little bit tough for Georgia Tech to produce the kind of performance defensively they did last year against, you know, Drake Mabe in back to back years. Uh, I mean, defensively in that game last season, um they put out the blueprint on how to slow North Carolina down and, you know, North Carolina had a lot of success slowing down um, Drake may in North Carolina. And then he, you know, Clemson definitely shut them down. And then when they got to the bowl game against Oregon, 
you know, they moved the ball, but they didn't move it at the rate that they did at the beginning of the year. That was just a spectacular defensive performance by Georgia Tech last year in Chapel Hill. And it's it is a little bit hard to see that they would repeat that because, you know, that that was that was definitely, uh, you know, I wouldn't say like a once in a lifetime, but one of the big shockers of, of ACC games last year. All right. Then the last three games, Blue Devils at home. So they'll be probably even worse officiating down and key moments than <laughs> there was last year. But then they go on the road to Clemson and NC State, which Mac Brown was whining, complaining. We could use other terms about the way his schedule ended. I'd be a little bit more worried about the way my schedule started necessarily because it's going to be hard to dig out of that. Of those last three, I think if you're North Carolina, you're looking at one and two probably. I mean, the NC State game is going to be tough, and and I don't see Carolina beating Clemson. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see um, North Carolina beating Clemson either. Um, you know, I think NC State is is kind of a wild card as well from the you know previous Atlantic teams. You know, how's Brennan Armstrong and 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 Robert and I rejoin? Is is he going to produce at the Virginia level? If he does that, if he, if he's at the level that they had the offense going in Virginia a couple years ago, North Carolina is not winning at NC State. Um, but we just don't know if he's going to return to that that level of of form and then of course you know your duke blue devils uh coming off their nine win season and riley leonard and 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 elko and what a great job they did um it's it's you know if they come out of there with two and two wins out of those final three uh, i'd be really impressed i mean this is kind of a strange schedule for them because like you mentioned you know those first four games you know pretty pretty tough and then the final three are pretty tough and if they struggle in the middle of that season at all, it could really derail fast for North Carolina. So, and I think the Duke Carolina game is going to be a good one because Duke has one of its oldest teams that it's had in a while. And historically, that is when programs like Duke are able to do well and, and win games that maybe in other years they don't. But going back through there, we're looking at, I guess, low end eight. Eight and four, maybe best case scenario, ten and two, but probably hovering around nine and three. Um, I, I, I'm I'm pretty close to that. I would say maybe the floor is is seven and five. Um, because if I like things it. go, I like it. If things go a little sideways, I think it's possible. But I mean, I, I can see a ceiling definitely of 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 ten and two if that defense comes together. So, um. You know that eight that eight and four nine and three type type season is is probably what you're looking looking at and I mean I think there's just a little bit too much talent to fall below seven and five um, but that would be a that that's that would still be really disappointing team a season for the Tar Heels because most preseason top twenty five polls you know have Clemson Florida State from the ACC and the most of them, if they have a third-ranked ACC team, it's been North Carolina. All right. Well, let's switch gears and talk about Pitt because I think overall that's going to be a pretty good team yet again. They may not yeah. be flashy. They may not surprise anybody. But to your point, Narduzzi knows what he's doing. And let's just go through their schedule. Uh, Wofford, Cincinnati, West Virginia, North Carolina – what are your thoughts on the first four? 
I mean, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, you know, two and twos were absolute worst case scenario, but probably three and one. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, that that's, you know, the Wofford game they should take care of, but the next three, you know, they're not, they're, they're not gimmies there in West Virginia. Uh, you know, that, that's a struggling football program right now, but it's, it's on the road. And that's one of the, you know, the backyard brawl is one of the best rivalries in college football last year's game at 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 Pitt was just a great way to start the season they had game day there the atmosphere was fantastic it was a great game you know weird things can happen there but you know you get Wofford you should beat West Virginia I think you're better than Cincinnati um and we've already said that they're better than North Carolina that they should win that game so I mean I think if you if they stub their toe on you know anyone but the Wofford game, which I think you know no matter what they win that game, I, th- I think three and one is the floor on that start, and I could easily see them starting out the year four and zero. Oh. I th- I think that that, that that you made some good points, particularly about Cincinnati and West Virginia. I mean, Cincinnati is going to have a head coach who historically is always looking for his next job, and Scott Satterfield, mm-hmm. big coaching change. That's a team that you want to play early. You don't want to play late. That's kind of what that makeup is. So I think that that certainly has to favor Pitt. And then their last game before the bye is Virginia Tech. I know they're at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech seems to be doing well, hitting up the 757 a lot recently in the 804 area codes recruiting. But coming out of that first five, I think four and one's highly probable, don't you? Yeah, I, I I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if if Pitt's quite good enough to run the table through the first five. They I, even now as stable as the program has become, they they still seem to have a loss during the course of a year that you're even in their, these last couple of years that you're just kind of like scratching your head. Where did that come from? I mean, you've just looked last year they lost uh, that game to Georgia Tech in Brent Key's first game. And that was just completely out of the blue. And, and they, even now they still have a tendency, um, you know, for that to happen in the year that they won the ACC, you know, a a year that they won, that they beat Tennessee and Clemson, they have that loss to, uh, I think it was Western Michigan, if I remember correctly. Um, So I, I don't think they can quite run the table four and one really sounds, sounds good to me. Okay, then let's look at the remainder of their schedule. Their next three, well, we'll do their next four, Louisville, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Florida State. That's a rough four, but yep. uh, I think you can probably go two and two there, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I'm not sh- you know, playing at Notre Dame is still going to be very tough. Uh, Notre Dame's got that really long winning streak um you know against acc teams during the regular season of florida state i i think you know i don't i don't think pittsburgh's gonna win that game but that's one of the acc's best games of the year because that i think pittsburgh will have a great atmosphere there that'll be that'll be a big time game but i mean you just can't see them knocking off a notre dame and Florida State in back-to-back weeks. So if they do that, they're a lot they're a lot better 
than I, I think. And I think they're pretty good, but that's like top 10 good. Um, and you know, Wake Forest, uh, even without um, some of the departures from last year's uh, team, you know, Dave Clawson always puts together a quality team. I mean, that, that's a pretty, you know, I think you, you, you're going to beat Louisville in my opinion. Um, but those next three, that, that's a pretty tough back to back to back group of games there. Right. That, the Notre Dame and Florida state, those are not the two you want to play one right after another wake. You, you've got a favorite pit right now, although you never know with Dave Claus and what they're going to accomplish Louisville's rebuilding, but those last three are really good for Pitt. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, the football gods will not let us beat Pitt, although I would very much like to see that happen. <laughs> Based on the history of time, we'll just say, I think you have to take Pitt on uh, to win that game, and you have to take Pitt to beat Syracuse, Boston College, and then close out with a win against the Blue Devils, right? Um, I, I think they, uh, they're definitely, you know, should be able to take care of Syracuse and Boston College. Uh, I would put the road, in my opinion, I think the game at, at Duke is, is in that toss-up category. Um, you know, I, I think, especially if Duke's the team, I think that they, they are. I mean, you, you could have two, you know, eight and, you know, two teams in that, that game that are, you know, seven, eight win teams going into that one um, and, and playing for a pretty significant bowl game. That's right, and – well, remember last year was a close game, and then there was this two point conversion, and uh, yeah, some just, conver- yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll just blur that out. But I, I want Duke to win that game. I just if, if you I, just look at the, look at the matchup, head to head matchup history, and again, I don't know what we did to make the football gods so angry at us that they would not let us beat Pitt, but. You can just take a look at it. So that's a tough one. But give give us your floor and ceiling, not ceiling is the roof um, predictions here for for Pitt. What are we, what are we looking at? Uh, I, I think Pitt's established enough that you know they're they're going to make a bowl game, um, but I, I don't think it would would take too much for them, you know, to to floor it at, at seven and five. Um, and I would see the ceiling of them as is nine and three, um, I, you know, just because Notre Dame and Florida State are, are very likely two losses. And even as good as Pittsburgh has been the last few years, they still have that one game of year that you didn't see coming for them losing. Um, and so I'm still I'm still there with with that. That if you have the note, if you have Notre Dame and Florida State as losses, someone else is going to trip them up at some point in the year. That's why I can't I can't see better than nine and three. I think you're right. I think you're looking at somewhere around eight to nine wins and looking at what Narduzzi's done since he's been there. Eight and five, eight and five, five and seven, seven and seven, eight and five, six and five, eleven and three, nine and four. And that was kind of a down year last year. In the last two seasons, they finished ranked in the top 25, to your point. 62 and 41 overall, 41 and 25 in conference, and championships begin in your conference. So uh, you have to, you, you can't, you just can't overlook Pitt, and you got to give them a lot of respect. Uh, so I think, mm-hmm. I think your view on it is correct. Until they prove otherwise, you have to look at them highly. 
Yeah. Now, speaking of a team with some buzz behind it, we've got we've got the Duke Blue Devils. Um, there's a there is a shot as we go through the schedule that I will be at the Labor Day game against the Tigers. I'm not sure about that yet. I can go into my reasons why, but just briefly, your overall thoughts on the Blue Devils this year. Uh, yeah, you, you know, you can't talk about Duke going into this season without talking about the incredible job that that Mike Elko did last year, getting them to nine and four. Uh, they should have been a top 25 team in the final polls. I don't I don't think they got quite there. Weren't they like 26? They should have been a top 25 team. I, I can't recall where they landed. They started getting votes as the season went on. I think what held them back was their schedule. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I had a vote, I would have had them in the, the top 25 because by the end of the year, that, that was, you know, a fine football team. And, and you know, it just, it just sets the bar, you know, at a point where, you know, you, you look at Duke and you say, that, hey, there's no reason they should really take a step back as a team. You know, maybe they don't go nine and four again, uh, you know, based on the schedule that we'll kind of look at, but they're, they're going to be a six, seven, eight win type team. I mean, you, you can't overlook them when you play them. I think it's a very dangerous Labor Day game for Clemson coming out of, out of the gate. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on Duke. I think they've got a lot of potential this year, again, because of their age, because they have coaches who know what they're doing. They have good players uh, who've been there for a long time, and they have one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the business. Um, yeah, He does more than just create Instagram models, but let's go through the schedule. Now, the opening game, and let me just say this. I'm 41 years old. I've watched a lot of Duke football, a lot. and. This is the kind of game that everybody gets hyped up for. Everybody wants to make a statement and everybody wants to see Duke win. And the early season excitement blinds you to the fact that Clemson is still Clemson. So I have a little hesitation to commit to going to that game based on my my historical experiences. That said, I, I think I'm probably going to go, but I hope you all can understand my hesitation. It is, a, <laughs> it is a long ride back, especially if your team loses, and Clemson is is D-line you. So let's go through the first five before the bye week real quick. Clemson, Lafayette, Northwestern, UConn, Notre Dame. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, I, I mean – you, you look at the the Clemson and Notre Dame game and the game sandwiched in between. I mean, it it, it looks like a three and two start. Um, but if somehow, I mean, you get Notre Dame and Clemson at home, it I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Cle, that Duke could steal one of those. Um, and if you do that, you're four and one, and you're probably ranked about twentieth in the country. Um, I, I don't think it's out of the question to to think that that's possible. Because one of the things with with Clemson, when you look at them, yeah, they're really they're still, you know, player for player, one of the two most talented teams in the ACC. Um, but the difference between them now and versus five years ago is they don't have the explosive playmakers 
on offense to just run teams off off the field you know they might still beat you but you know they're not beating you 44 to 7 they might beat you 27 to 14 because they still play pretty good defense not as good as when brent venables was there and um yeah i can get into clemson and, and my i still have question marks about you know west goodwin their defensive coordinator but they're just not quite equipped to beat to to run quality teams you know off of the off of the field um and i think duke is a quality team i expect that game to be very competitive at least through three and a half uh quarters going into the fourth quarter i wouldn't be shocked if it's a 10 point or less game um i, f- I feel like clemson you know they, they gotta they're gonna play with a big chip on their shoulder too going into that game so i, I think they probably will win that one um and if there is an upset brewing there for duke in those first five i, I kind of look at it maybe with a bit, little bit more possibility of being notre dame at home who last year showed a tendency you know, to get up for the for the bigger games. Um, and then they overlooked a few people last year. And and I think there's a chance that that Duke could be in that position to take advantage. You know, as a Notre Dame team that blew out Clemson, but loses to Marshall at home. Um, and also lost to Stanford, uh, but then had some uh, other big wins during the course. They beat South Carolina last year in the bowl game. So um, I think that that's a chance for for duke to pull a monumental upset i'm not brave enough to call it i'm calm looking at three and two but i give them a puncher's chance against notre dame and, and clemson all right so i think we're most likely gonna see a three and two out of the first five mm-hmm. then you got a bye week and then the schedule does not get easier nc state florida state louisville and wake forest over those next four wakes a thursday night game what are your thoughts yeah, that's this is what we were talking about at the beginning. Um, Duke could have as good a team as they did last year, and may not achieve that record because that you know there's there's no gimmies there even in those next four. You know, after the Notre Dame, NC State again, same as when we were talking about North Carolina. They're they're I think they're going to be really good defensively, but how their ceiling is going to depend on if Brennan Armstrong returns to that form he had when he two years ago at Virginia uh, when he was just lighting up the ACC. Uh, if that Robert, uh, if that Brennan Armstrong is playing in that game, very, I think it'd be very difficult for, for Duke to win that one. And then of course at Florida state, I think that's maybe the, unfortunately the most assured probably loss on the schedule. I think Florida state's going to be very good um, at Louisville. Uh, I, I think Louisville is, is, is not going to be an unbeatable team by any stretch, but on the road, another difficult game. And then Wake Forest always has been real competitive uh, series with Duke, but I do think Duke is going to win that game against Wake Forest. So, you know, you look at those four, I see a toss up with NC state uh, loss at Florida state at Louisville. I'm going to lean that that one's a loss. And then, you know, Wake Forest is probably the one that you got to win out of those two, if, if you're losing to Wake Forest at home, um, season season's probably going sideways at that point. All right, and then the last three, North Carolina, Virginia, and Pitt. Uh, you're, you're better than Virginia. So even on the road, I think you win that game. That's why I wanted to hit that one first. Um, at North Carolina, 
on the road. That's that's the problem there. Some of these games that I feel like Duke could win at home, you know, you go on the road and they become much more difficult. Uh, I'm going to say that you lose to North Carolina, you beat Virginia, and then Pittsburgh is your toss-up game. Uh, that That's the kind of game that may be for, you know, whether Duke can get into a bowl game or not. I think that's a fair take. So give us your ceiling and floor uh, or floor to ceiling uh, range for the Blue Devils. Um, I, I, you know, I hate to to go to to this low of a floor because I think Duke has a has a quality team, but it's it's the schedule that I think if things go wrong, you get a bad break here or there, and you know. It could be really be tough to find wins. I, I, I'm going to put the floor at five and seven. All right, give us the ceiling. And and the ceiling, I will I'll put it eight and four. I think that's a very reasonable take, primarily because if Duke doesn't steal a win against Clemson or Notre Dame after those first. Uh, those uh, first games it's 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 very likely that they could be three and four and then louisville you can probably win louisville and wake probably win those two that gets you to five virginia gets you to six but to your point there's just not much of a margin for error they they don't really have a game that you can say they could lose one and then make it up later. I think with that schedule, Clemson, Notre Dame, NC State, Florida State, North Carolina, Pitt, and that doesn't even take into account Wake and maybe what Louisville could do. I mean, that's that's a tough, tough schedule. There's just no margin for error there. So I, I think your interpretation of that is a wise one. Uh, let's look at the next team. Uh, and we'll go to your your yellow jackets. Uh, tell us what uh, – w- let's go through that schedule here. You're, they're playing Louisville, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Bowling Green, and Miami. That's a long time before they get a bye week. What do you think about the, the start for their season, their first six? Yeah, I, th- I think they could get caught up in the same thing that – that we were talking about with Duke. I, I think they could be an improved team and the record might not show it because it it is still pretty, pretty tough. And in that opening game, I think it's going to tell the tale on their season with Louisville um, at home. And that's a game that I'm I'm probably going to go to. I'm, I'm in on the Brent key era. So I wanted to catch his first game and and hopefully he can do that. But um, you know, that's a definite toss up pivotal game. Uh, South Carolina State, you're right. better than um, you're, you're not equipped to beat to win at Ole Miss right now. Um, you, you know, maybe if that game was in Atlanta, you might have a puncher's chance. Um, but but you're you're not equipped to beat um, an eight or nine type win type SEC team on the road. So I'm going to chalk that one up as a loss. Uh, Wake Forest, that's another pivotal game. If there's no way they can start 0-2 with Louisville and Wake Forest, they'll absolutely miss a bowl game if they do that. Um, that that's a that's a tough one. You're better than Bowling Green. So, you know, you're looking at probably 
two sure wins, South Carolina State and Bowling Green, a sure loss with Ole Miss, and then you got the two pivotal games with Louisville and Wake Forest. So I'm I'm going to go and say you get a split out of those two. Let me, and I think I said South Carolina instead of South Carolina State earlier. Let me correct that. Here's one good thing, though. You get Wake early. No. That should be helpful. And Miami, I don't think you really know what to expect. And Louisville, again, you get them early. So that's the time to play those two teams. And if they can come out and win both of those, they're looking at one, two, three, four, probably four and two in their first six, but they got a good chance to be five and one, depending on what we see from Miami. But I agree with you about Ole Miss. They got the bye week, October 14th. They close out the schedule with Boston College, North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, Syracuse, and Georgia. I mean, I think we all agree that the Bulldogs are going to win that game. But other than that, what do you think about the remaining six? Yeah, um, I, I don't. Yeah, there's not a scenario where they can knock off Georgia. And, um, you know, I look at the game at Clemson. Like Ole Miss, you're, you're just not equipped to win that game on the road. So th- those are your two losses there. And I, I feel like if you're looking at a three and three start, um, you've got Boston College. That should be a win at Virginia should be a win. And you get Syracuse at home should be a win. North Carolina, um, like we were talking about earlier, I just don't know if they can produce the kind of game in back to back years to beat North Carolina and Drake May two times in a row. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at, uh, you know, three and three, first six, three and three uh, back in. And, you know, they sneak into a bowl game, which be would be fantastic for Brent Key in his first full year at Georgia Tech. So I take it your kind of floor for them would be five and seven, ceiling maybe seven and five, but likely they're hovering around six and six. Yeah, I, I think five and seven would be would be the floor, and and they probably can't go much higher than seven and um, seven and five until they build up the the talent base. But we we saw what Brent Key did last year, you know, beating a couple teams that um, that were you know they were better that those teams would have probably won last year uh, seven out of ten times. You know, I think overall Duke was better. Georgia Tech was able to win that game. Pittsburgh was better. North Carolina was better. Um, you know, but he they, he kind of you know outkicked his coverage on those those games. And I feel like there could be some of that this year as well, but probably not enough to get more than uh, seven wins. Still better than the can of tuna. So yep, still better than the can. <laughs> the name who's we we won't speak about ever at Georgia Tech again. <laughs> Not a great, not a great hire in retrospect. All right, yeah. let's let's turn to the U and we can discuss whether the U is broken or not. I, I'm not particularly high on this team because everybody gets sucked into believing that they're going to be great. And then they kind of crash and burn, which last year was pretty bad. But let's just go through the schedule uh, with Miami. They've got Miami of Ohio, Texas A&M, Bethune-Cookman, Temple, and then a bye week. Uh, I think there they're probably starting three and one. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would look at three and one. I know that that Texas A and M game they've got their own issues, but if they somehow were to beat the Aggies and Jimbo Fisher, 
that's why I call them the wild card. Cause then, you know, you're looking at a four and start, you know, and hosting a Georgia tech team that you would be capable of beating. And all of a sudden that, that you is back hype train is going to go into overdrive. So if, if there's a coastal, a previous coastal division team, you know, pivotal game on the schedule, that Texas A&M game is right up there for Miami as South Carolina was for North Carolina. And you get that game at home and you were in the game last year with Texas A&M. They had an opportunity to win that game. And I thought actually outplayed the Aggies most of it. Um, but they just, <laughs> they, they, they just struggled so much at key moments last year. Miami did. And, and Van Dyke was going into the season, you know, a, a top two round draft pick and just, you know, he was talking about transferring in the off season. If I remember, I mean, if you get him right, I mean, Duke, I mean, Miami becomes a much more dangerous team if they can get that offense uh, squared away. And I'm, I'm really looking at that Texas A&M game. If they win that game, you know, watch out. It could be an interesting season for the Hurricanes, but then they've got Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Clemson, and Virginia. I think looking at that fairly, probably beat Georgia Tech. Uh, well, between Georgia Tech and North Carolina, I think they go one and one. They split those. Clemson and Virginia split those as well. I just don't see a scenario where they beat the Tigers, but what do you think about the next four? Um, those final four, I mean, no, no, no. Ends- Georgia Tech, oh, okay. North Carolina, Clemson, and Virginia. Yeah, okay, you, you should you should beat Virginia at home. You probably beat Georgia Tech. Um, I don't I don't think you're ready to beat a Clemson at home no, at North Carolina. Yeah, I, I don't th- I don't think they can win at North Carolina, but that's certainly not a game that. I'm just going to assume that North Carolina be be able to win, but I'm I'm going to give them three and one through those four. Okay, and then the last four are interesting. I think probably splitting those: NC State, Florida State, Louisville, and Boston College. What do you think about those last four? Yeah, that that looks like a two and two finish all the way. Um, you're not you're not winning at Florida State. Think you're better than Louisville. Boston College got his own issues, and NC State. Again, we keep going back to it. Brennan Armstrong, how's that offense gonna, you know, gonna be? Because I, I, I think uh, NC State has probably got one of the highest, you know, floor versus ceilings of any team in the ACC. Because I think they'll be really good on defense, um, but you wonder about their offense. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna lean that they won't be able to beat NC State either for a two and two finish. So where where do you project the hurricanes to land? Sorry for the terrible wordplay there. Uh for a floor and for a ceiling. Um I mean if it breaks if things break for them the right way, uh I think I think they could they could hit a nine and three ceiling. Um but Certainly, if they go as they did last year, I mean, their floor is, is a lot like last year's team. I mean, they, they could end up missing a bowl game again. Um, 
I could I could see them going five and seven if things go a little sideways. They lose a game they're not supposed to, and then you know lose it to the in the games that they're not you know where they're going to be underdogs because they'll be an underdog likely against A and M, probably at North Carolina for sure. Clemson probably an underdog at NC State at Florida State. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's very possible they don't win any of those. And I will say they're catching the Cardinals late. Jeff Brome could have that team playing its best football right around the end of the season. So I'm not going to go out on a limb and make any projections on that November 18 game now, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that's one to watch late. And yep. if the Hurricanes lose that game, I mean, I don't see a scenario where they lose to Boston College regardless, but that could keep them from going to a bowl if things are not going well. So. All right, we got the U out of the way. We're hitting a home stretch. We're going to one of the worst teams in the league last year, and that's UVA. What do you think about the Cavs? I think it could be a pretty long season in Charlottesville. <laughs> um, you know, it it, it it's gonna. It, I'm sure it was a really hard off season for them you know, considering the tragic events um, at the end of last season. Um, but, th- but that aside, frankly, the team just wasn't very good. Um, when you look at what Tony Elliott did, he, he did something that I, th- I think is a- always a red flag when it comes to new coaches. And that's if you're going to institute your system and you want to do it at such to such an extent that you completely overhaul what was working to the previous team to the detriment, you know, of that team. And I mean, you had an offense that was talented at wide receiver last year, you know, had, um, you know, Brennan Armstrong still, and, and you were going to, you, he said it in the offseason. He's like, we're going to try to run the ball and, and be more balanced. And it just did not work um, to, to the extent he did. And, you know, we've talked about, Jeff Collins before when they were, when he came to Georgia tech, I mean, he was going to get rid of the triple option. And of course it makes, makes sense. You want to institute your, your system. Um, but when you do it to such an extent that you don't utilize the talent that's on the team, that's a red flag for me. And, and for, for Virginia to not be, like you said, one of the worst teams in the ACC, um, I think you have to see some more flexibility from Tony, from Tony Elliott and, you know, something that's not something we really saw from him last year. So that's a, that's a question mark. And, and we've talked about the other ACC teams. I think everyone we've mentioned so far has should be improved from what they were last year, maybe not record wise, but maybe as better teams. So, I mean, they've, they've got to, they're not going to get any breaks. Yeah, and that schedule does not look friendly. Uh, let's just no. go through it. Uh, Tennessee, James Madison, Maryland, NC State. That is a brutal first four. And then Boston College and William and Mary followed by a bye week. So what do you think about their first six? Uh, I mean, they got no chance against Tennessee. They got no chance to win that game. I don't even know. And then they, they're playing at Maryland. And then um, Tonga Valoa, who's one of the you know more athletic quarterbacks in the country um that, that's just a matter of over scheduling right there um 
and 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 I, and I don't think you're better than in you're not going to be able to beat NC State even as we've been <laughs> said it repeatedly where what's Brennan Armstrong going to be like even even if they're not as don't have the offense he had at Virginia NC State is plenty talented to beat Virginia and and they better not overlook James Madison I I can't see how they come out of that better than one and three yeah, and then I think they beat Boston College, but William and Mary's upset some teams here and again. So, uh, you know, I don't. Yeah. To, to your point about Elliot, I said this earlier uh, this interview season with Lauren Brownlow. I said Tony Elliott was doing is doing his best Carl Franks impersonation in Charlottesville, and a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned about. I'm going to do my system and I'm going to do it my way. That's what Carl Franks did. And he didn't have a team that could run it. And it was a disaster. And we saw, you know, again, I think Franks won three games in his first year and Elliot won three in his first. And they, they got to that record in very, very similar ways. So I, I just, again, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, I don't I don't like the start of that season for uh for for UVA at all. And they've got the detective Mike London there. So <laughs> uh let's see. And and last year William and Mary went what eleven and two. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's out of the question that they, they, they could start the year like where's um William and Mary? That's through six. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that they start the year one and five, you know, in an upset in one of those two to James Madison or William and Mary, I don't expect it, but I mean, would it, would any of us be really that shocked? I don't think, I don't like this Virginia team. I'm, I'll be honest on that. My prediction pain. If you're a Cavaliers fan <laughs> and let me tell you that back six, don't look too much better. Uh, sorry for the bad, the bad grammar, but we're both upstate guys. So it's okay. Uh, you got North Carolina, Miami, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Duke, Virginia Tech. There is a better than even chance that they close out the season with six straight losses. Yeah, I mean, you look at that, and we've discussed the other teams. We haven't talked about Virginia Tech, but, I mean, we you know their historical record against them over the last 20 years. I mean, they just don't beat Virginia Tech in football. Um, you know, it's like a once every 15 year type thing. Um, yeah, that I think it's going to, this just doesn't look good no matter how you slice it. Um, I mean, this, this season could really get derailed. <laughs> I mean, oh man. Yeah. Uh, well, at least they got, you know, you got Tony Bennett there at Virginia for basketball and got a good baseball program. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to ask you the, the floor to ceiling because I, I think the floor is not that different from the ceiling. I mean, I think they're 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 hovering around one to two wins, right? Yeah, I I, th- I think so too. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they find a way that to at least win a couple games, but the floor is pretty pretty low. I'm putting the floor at two and ten, and um, I think even in the best case scenario, I, I don't see how they can reach a bowl game. Uh, I, I, the best I can see them doing, and that's just if, if a lot of things break right, they pull a couple of upsets, it's five and seven. 
would you, what would your odds on that be? I mean, if, if you if you were a betting man, I mean, let's just look at James Madison the last couple of years, 14 and two, seven and one, 12 and two, eight and three. I mean, James Madison, you know, to, to, to go to go with a, a white chocolate, Jason Williams, Randy Moss reference, ain't scared. <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this this was a team last year that, you know, they went they were three and seven. And, you know, and if they don't, you know, they came up with the kind of the upset at Georgia uh, at, at Georgia Tech. But I mean. Yeah. I mean, they were in some games last year. They they were in it late with North Carolina. So, I, you know, I'm not going to say this is just, you know, the like a worst team the ACC has seen. You know, I do think there's a chance that they could sniff a bowl if everything just breaks perfectly. But man, it, it you know, the, between that schedule and where how they were playing last year, it's just it's just really hard to see, you know, anything more than anything more than three or four wins. It really looks like a three or four win team. So basically do not pass go, do not collect $200. Now let's talk about the opposite of that. A team that played better as the year went on. And that, that is uh, your co-hosts Hokies. Uh, Virginia tech played better late, looked better. Brent Pry, a good old Lexington guy there, seems to be doing a good job uh, creating some buzz, doing a little recruiting. Uh, why don't we go through the Hokies schedule uh, to close this out? Yep. They have a brutal – well, uh, they have a long time for a bye week, uh, but the back end of their schedule is very favorable. They open with Old Dominion. They play Purdue, Rutgers, Marshall, Pitt. Florida State and Wake Forest. What do you think about that opening stretch? Yeah, I mean, I think if they can, if they can kind of just keep it together through those first six or seven games, and and not let the season go off of the rails, I, I totally agree. That, you know, Virginia Tech's not a great team, um, and and right now, you know, they're 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 having to learn how to win. That's a program that's just kind of been sinking over the last few years, um, you know, they, they've got a cult. It's hard to, you know, to believe, especially after, you know, the program that Frank Beamer built, but I mean, they kind of have a culture of losing, especially mentally. You know, I think they have enough talent to, to be in a lot of games. Um, they just don't know how to close that. You really get a feel that they don't know how to close out games. And you saw that last year, they did become a better team as the season went on. But they, I'm looking at the, here in a schedule here, they lost a single-digit game to Miami, NC State, Georgia Tech. Um, okay, Duke was just better than them. And then they did beat um, uh, a Liberty team there. But, I mean, they were in a lot of games and, and couldn't usually close them out. So if they can just hold things together early in the season, you know, if Old Dominion, I don't know. that was That's kind of the worst, one of the worst series is in the ACC. They got like some 10-year um, series with Old Dominion, you know, on the road and at home, and they beat you, which is like a disaster for your season. They lost to them last year, but um, say you take care of them this year, you can get a split with Purdue, Rutgers. Um, you got to keep an eye on Marshall. I mean, they went into Notre Dame and won last year. 
Um, if you can just come out of that one, let's see, that's one, two, three, four. If somehow you could get through the first four, two and two, you know, you might have, you might have a chance to have something on the season. Okay. You're not, uh, you know, maybe you can pull an upset with Pittsburgh. You're not winning at Florida state. So if you can get through those first six at three and three, that you, you've got a chance to maybe have a, a decent year. It would not surprise me if they, they come out two and five. I mean, I think they can beat old dominion. They catch Purdue early, which should be good. I think they could win, could win that game. Rutgers and Marshall. You don't know. Pitt, this could be the game Pitt just inexplicably loses, but I don't yeah. think they beat Florida State. Wake no. probably is rolling by that point. But then the back end is not bad for them. They've yeah. got Syracuse, which I think they can win. they got Louisville, which I think they can win. Boston College, which they ought to win or they get rid of the football program. Uh, then they've got NC State, who they played pretty tough last year. Yep. And then they close out against Virginia, which, again, ought to be a winner. They get rid of the football program. So how do you think that the Hokies close things out? I totally agree with you. The back end of the schedule, those last five, provide an opportunity. Um, you know, if that team is improving, you know, I can see a scenario where they finish, they go four and one to finish the season. You know, you you still can't, you know, it's not the the environment in Blacksburg is still second to none. You know, they've been losing there, but you know, if you get a little bit on a roll and you get that crowd behind you, you know, you should beat Syracuse. You've got an opportunity to beat NC State. I think you're you go into the season and you're very similar to Boston College. And even though you go on the road at Virginia, you've owned them for for close to 25 years. So, I mean. As opposed to Virginia, I think there are opportunities for Virginia Tech, you know, to put together a decent season. And let's talk about how how the Hokies closed the season. They they lost by six to Miami, by a point to NC State on the road, by a point to Georgia Tech. Duke just, you know. I don't want to necessarily say ran them out of the building, but what I do want to say is Duke probably should have scored more than just 24 in that game. But Virginia Tech's offense was so bad that it made it just impossible for them to win. Game should have been a little bit closer, but then they close out with a win against Liberty, and I think we all would have, had the game been played, expected Virginia Tech to beat Virginia. So – Sometimes what you see with those teams that learn how to win is it's because they lost a lot of close games. They know what they need to do differently, and then they close them out. I mean, those games go differently. Uh, they're looking at a bowl game right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they they squeak into a bowl game. So those margins are real thin. What are your thoughts on the floor and ceiling for the Hokies? Um, you know, it's, it, they're still not a, a, a good team, you know, if we're being honest. So, I mean, if, if it, you know, they, they have to definitely upgrade the talent overall at Virginia 
tech, uh, you know, on our blog, we're going through, you know, the top players in the ACC and, and you don't see very many Virginia tech players on there at all. I think I'm almost through the, um, all the positions and I only have one or two, you know, in the top five. So they definitely need a boost of talent there. Um, you know, I, I could see a floor of four and eight. Um, and because especially that back end of the schedule is manageable, um, I could see a ceiling of seven and five. Okay, so a chance for a bowl game there for the Hokies. Now a couple remaining matters. Which teams and coaches do you think have the most pressure on them this season? Uh, the old of the old Atlantic coaches. Uh, I think I think Jeff Halfley and and Dion. Oh, I'm Bay. sorry. I, I'm sorry. I meant I meant to say the old coastal. I apologize. I, oh, okay. The coastal. Sorry. Sorry. Um, you know, I, I, because they're new coaches, uh, I think even no matter how poorly they do, they would probably get a third season. But you know, Mario Cristobal at at Miami. Um, you know, needs to show something in his second year. They didn't get him out of Oregon, you know, to go five and seven, six and six. I mean, he's there to to try to get Miami back to national relevance. And, um, you know, if he puts together a, another five plus loss season, um, he was going to, he's going to feel heat. He was feeling it last year in the, in the first year there um, when their season kind of went, went the wrong direction. So I, I think there's a, there's a, quite a bit of pressure on Cristobal, um, Tony Elliott, uh, because the expectations at, at Virginia are a little bit lower, um, you know, and then faced with, with what happened last year at the end of the season, uh, you know, I think the, they're going to be a little more flexible with him, but at the same time, if he goes two and 10, two and 10, um, following last year's season, there'll be a heat on him as well. Um, it's it's hard to see a scenario where a coach just gets outright fired because of you know there's not someone who's been there like five years and hasn't produced. Um, I think there's some heat on Mac Brown. You know if if they really have a poor season, you know the heat's going to rise on him because you know North Carolina's been competitive, but there's they they can't quite they just don't seem to be able to put it all together and put a consistent full season. Uh, but I would put probably Mac Brown a little bit behind uh, the other two. I think that's right. Now I, I do think if Elliot has a, has a really bad year, it's going to be hard to have people who are wanting to keep him there. I also think if Mac Brown is hovering around seven or eight wins, that's probably going to be it for him just because more is expected. That's and fair. I, I think if – I can't remember how many years this is for him now, if it's four or five, but if you're seven or eight wins in your fifth year, I think naturally the inclination is going to be, let's see what else we can make happen. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Of course, we talked a little bit about ACC seems like it's going to be in its current form, at least for another five or seven years, something like that. But uh, tell us uh, what else, uh, what else you think, uh, you know, you've answered a lot of questions and you listen. So, you know, this, you get an open mic, tell, tell us anything you'd like to talk about. Yeah. And I think you hit it on it, um, Ben, um, all, all these Twitter rumors and stuff about, 
there's a couple things that I think are just absolutely 100% not true. Uh, one of them where this stuff keeps coming up about ESPN kind of orchestrating the demise of the ACC and pulling off teams, putting them in the SEC, making deals to get, you know, ACC teams in the Big Ten for this and that. Absolutely not going to happen. Um, the ESPN will not initiate the demise of the ACC. If if it ever came to where they were a part of it, it would have been a reaction to something else. But they're absolutely not going to, you know, be behind the scenes working to break up the ACC. <laughs> That's just one of those myths. I don't know how it gained traction, but uh, it's absolutely not going to happen. I mean, they're so intertwined together, bad deal or not. I mean, they're completely intertwined contracts, the ACC network, 50-50 owners. Um, yeah, that's not happening. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, there are things to keep an eye on, but I don't ex- would be absolutely stunned if you saw any kind of movement in the next five years. This, this grant of rights, it's it's going to be tough to break. And people have looked at it previously. If they could break it, they w- it would have already happened. You know, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, and, and leaving the Big 12. So I think things are going to be pretty stable over the next five years, no matter what the rumors um, are. And, you know, during this time, Jim Phillips, you know, got to get to work on the revenue. Start, you know, telling us how how is he going to increase it. You know, you can only use the the bad deal, you know, for an excuse is so long. Yeah, we know it's bad. Everyone agrees on that. But you've got five years to work on it. That's your job now. And, you know, you maybe inherited a bad situation, but that's the job you were hired to do. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But, you know, uh, realignment's kind of interesting to talk about. But, you know, I want to get I'm ready to get into the football. And so, yeah, it's been a really good show to talk about the coastal. And it's got me ready to go. Well, you know, Big Ten, um, there was some talk about maybe getting uh, Jim Phillips over there. Uh, let's uh, let's see what we can do to make a trade. Maybe give you Phillips <laughs> and we'll do a, a player to be named later. Uh, you know, maybe Phillips isn't that bad. Maybe he's just waiting. And sometimes, in fairness, leadership can be waiting, right? It can be just kind of letting things play themselves out. Maybe that's what he's doing, but sending a memo to tell people not to complain about the refs is not really a sign <laughs> that you know what you're doing. Right. That, that's not what we really want to hear. I, I I want the commissioner of the ACC to talk about one thing right now. And that's the, 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 the revenue portion of it. If, if you've got officials and statements like that, you want to talk about, you know, put that to your, you, you've got an executive staff, have one of them make a statement concerning that, I want you working on revenue a hundred percent of the time. I I think that that's a hundred percent accurate. And I, I think that that's, that's what you, uh, you know, he, I think he's got priorities that would confuse all of us. Right. And just don't seem to make that much sense, but uh, Jeff, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you taking some time uh, to be with us on the podcast. Again, big, Thanks to everybody who's come on this season. Matthew, Colby Campbell, Lauren Brownlow, Ron Frederick, Jackson Hubbard, Connor Vernon, Connor O'Neill, Desmond Scott, Chris Combs, Roanoke guy, uh, Brett from Pick 6, uh, John Tavis Robertson, 
Joe Ovius and Dan Siegel and uh, Jeff. Thank uh, all of you for coming on. Uh, we're working on locking down everything for season four. The format's going to be very different. I've enjoyed these discussions with uh, the people who cover the ACC and cover different teams. So I'm going to have beat reporters and bloggers on each week to talk about Duke's opponents. Not necessarily each week. I'm going to try to do it each week. I've got a lot of guests lined up. I need to line up a few more. So this is uh, going to be exciting. Hopefully we can do all of them or almost all of them. And we'll see what season four brings us as we get to know our opponents a little bit better. Again, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. Check out our website, bullcitycoordinators.com. Find us on Twitter at Duke FB Coverage. Uh, we are on Reddit and a lot of the social medias. Just hit us up. And thank you guys for listening. It really means a lot. I enjoy that I'm still doing this. I don't have as much time as I used to when I started, uh, just because we've just been so busy at work, which is a good thing. So I'll keep doing it as long as I can. And I really uh, appreciate all of you listening. And I hope you get something good out of it. Now, until we come back for season four, I'll just say this, as always, go Duke.